probably have read the story a hundred times. All of my ministry life, I've wondered, what did she think? You see it in the Magnificat in those first couple of chapters of Luke, but then never really knowing exactly what went through her mind. But I've often wondered, when she realized that everything literally had changed that night, what went through her mind? Until a month ago, Dave sent me that. I thought that's the closest I'll probably ever come to knowing what she felt. A number of years ago, Faith Hill did a song. I think it was a Christmas song called A Baby Changes Everything. If you've ever had one or recently had one, you know that's true. They literally change everything. They require a lot of changing. But you know as well as I do, your life changed. More expenses, lack of sleep, a minivan, a lot changes. I got to believe that everyone on that first Christmas night found out that their life had changed forever. From the very first time that angel came to Mary and Joseph and told them what was about to happen, their life changed and was never the same again. I got to believe that Mary and Joseph's life was not as they had planned it or predicted it would go. I honestly believe they were ordinary people like you and I, a little bit like what you just saw tonight. I'm sure Joseph thought, this is not how I thought it was going to go. And I know Mary had to think that. This is not how I thought my first child would come. The marriage ceremony hadn't even been completed, and now this trip to Bethlehem, not how they planned to spend the last weeks of pregnancy. Rome was in charge. And if you've ever traveled overseas to a country that's occupied by someone else, or is a little unstable, you know that you don't feel real secure. My wife and I have had the privilege to travel around the world on a number of occasions, and on three different occasions, we found ourselves in the middle of a military coup. Landed in Ivory Coast, West Africa, finding out that one element was trying to take over the country from another element, and Everything around you made you feel a little bit nervous. You kind of wasn't sure who was in charge and where it was going to go and what was going to take place. And if you imagine in your mind now traveling around the world, you'd feel the same. Nothing they had planned up to this point was going as planned. For Mary and Joseph, I'm sure they were hoping to have their first baby in Nazareth, surrounded by family and friends, not in a strange place among strangers, but everything they had planned changed, and nothing at that point seemed right. But God was the one orchestrating the events. His timing was perfect, and every event to him was going as planned. Galatians 4.4 said, At the appropriate time, at the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Christmas story, if it's anything, is an amazing story of God's orchestration of events to bring to you and I the greatest gift of all. The story is found in Luke chapter 2. I grew up hearing this story every single Christmas Eve. Because of what we were doing in the life that we were living in a farm, we couldn't get out to Christmas Eve services like you have the opportunity to do. So we, every single Christmas Eve, sat around the Christmas tree and read this story. So tonight, you're my family, and I want to read it to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken to the entire Roman world. 
First one that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and so everyone went to their own town to register. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all of those on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and had gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in the third chapter, the writer talks about the timing of God. He said, to everything there is a season, a time for every event. He goes on to say that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Over 300 prophecies are in the Old Testament. and Most of them fulfilled in the coming of Christ. Of all the continents, of all the countries, of all the regions, of all the villages, God hundreds of years before the birth of Christ predicted Bethlehem. He said the Messiah would come from the nation of Israel, from the tribe of Judah, from the house of David. Isaiah said the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Micah said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. How would God do that? Well, for the first time, for the first time in a long time, at least while Quirinius was governor of Syria, a specific spot, specific tax, a census that everyone should come. And so they did and went back to their hometown to register. Julius Caesar had died before the time of Christ. Under him, there was more civil war than almost any other Roman leader. But when Augustus Caesar came to throne, there was some settledness. In the bottom of your study Bible, when you read this section of Scripture, it talks about Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Everything had settled down and traveling became a little bit easier. The tax that was initiated by Augustus, was kind of a way of showing how powerful he was and showing everyone the size of his territory. But the real event that took place that night as a result of the census was the birth of Christ. Announced by the angels so that everyone would know where the real power was. Fascinating to me when you study scripture and recognize how God orchestrated all of these events. Verse 5 of chapter 2 said he went there with Mary. Some would say, why would you go this late in her pregnancy? Most tax laws would have only required the head of the household. But knowing the Joseph that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Matthew, he's never going to leave her alone this late in her pregnancy. And to be honest with you, I've got to believe that the circumstances of that 
may have deprived her of other friends. Also, obviously, going to fulfill the prophet's prediction that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. So verse 6 tells us, while she was there, the time came for the baby to be born. At the right time, Galatians says, God sent forth his son. No surprise, no sonogram. The reveal party was orchestrated by God and Gabriel. She laid him in a manger, most likely a stone feeding trough. We've often wondered why. Of all places, none of us would ever put a baby in a feeding trough. None of us would ever do that, regardless of the fact that there was no room in the inn or whatever translation you may use. But let's be really serious about the event. The shepherds are to come to Bethlehem and find it. How many babies in feeding troughs do you think they'd have to go through to find that one? God knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew exactly why he put them there. So that those he said to go find him would do that. All ordinary events in an ordinary place orchestrated by an extraordinary God. You see, we're always looking for the sensational, the miraculous, but the greatest miracle of all, God's greatest work, came in the quietness and simplicity of everyday life. Shepherds living out in the fields, verse 8 tells us, living near Jerusalem would indicate that they were watching over the sheep raised for the temple sacrifice, which makes the appearance to them even more significant because Jesus' coming became the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and mine. He's the great shepherd, the one who comes to simple, ordinary people. In the same region were shepherds, it says. I love the fact that God met them where they were. My encouragement to you for tonight and tomorrow, don't miss what's going on around you. Don't see just the tree and the gifts and all the things that still need done. Look for the sparkle in that little boy or little girl's eyes and wonder, what's God going to do? What will they become? Will they find the Christ that we have found? Will they know the Jesus that we have shown? What will it be like for them? Every time I do a wedding ceremony, and I'm sure I've told you before, I always make sure that tonight at the rehearsal, I say to the family and pretty much everyone who's involved, but specifically the mother and the father of the groom, when everyone stands up and turns around and looks back the aisle to watch the bride come down the aisle, I want you to look at the groom. Everyone in the room is going to look that way because that's what they want to see. That's what most of them came for. But the greatest look that you'll see that particular night for that moment is the look on that groom's eye when that door opens up and she walks down the aisle. He will light up like a Christmas tree. And of the 215 weddings that I've done, I've not been disappointed yet. We can get so busy with all the gifts and all the meals and all the things going on in the next couple of hours and the next few days that we miss some incredible things going on around us. Don't always be looking someplace else. Let God meet you where you're at. Verse 10 says, great news for all people. Everyone is welcome. I find it interesting that Jesus never discusses the events of his coming. He spends most of his time telling us not how he came, but why he came to die on a cross for your sins and mine. So many events, perfect timing, so that your life and mine, when we embrace Christ as our Savior, can be changed forever. He came to rescue us from darkness, to restore a broken relationship between us and God. This event started way before Bethlehem. 
predicted in the Garden of Eden that we talked about a few weeks ago, when man fell, orchestrated by God to unfold on a quiet night in a little town called Bethlehem. An event that has the potential to change our lives forever. Let me ask you two questions. Do you think that a God who could do all of that to orchestrate these events, to bring his son into the world at that specific time and that specific place, at the way he did and the timing he did, can do a pretty good job of running your life and mine? You think that a God who could orchestrate these events knows what he's doing when he puts the pieces of our life together and offers us in himself life. For those of you who in the room accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior at some point or maybe in the last few years, you recognize that all the things that may have not made sense up to that particular point until you came to that night or that day or that event when you accepted Christ as your Savior and you realize when you did, everything changed for the better. I'm here to remind you tonight that that was the reason He came, so that your life and mine could be put back together again and He could demonstrate to us that He can run our lives and use us in remarkable ways to change the world. He offers us life in himself. This Christmas season is about a hundred different things and some of them you'll celebrate tonight and tomorrow, but the greatest event that took place that night was the gift of life that you and I have offered to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Tonight's an opportunity to rejoice. If you know Christ as your savior, it is an opportunity to rejoice. That the God who orchestrated all of that in the events of time loved me enough, personally enough, to shed his blood so that I can have life and invites me into his family and into his kingdom and calls me his son and daughter. God not only loved the world, he loved you and I. And he offers us life. Who wouldn't want to come on a night like this and celebrate that gift? Tonight, in a few moments, we're going to sing, Oh, Come All You Faithful and then Silent Night. For the last few years, I've given the opportunity for those who would like to join us in lighting the candles. First to those who, for the last year or so, have come to faith in Christ. They've given their life to Jesus, and they recognize that He has indeed, out of all the events of life, died and rose again from the dead for them. And they let Him run their life. And they forever have been changed. Maybe this last year or so has been one of those years where you knew Christ as Savior, but you never really fully surrendered yourself to Him. And in this last year or so, you've said, okay, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I fully surrender myself to Jesus. Then I'd love for you to join. Now, there are people all over the audience in a few moments that are going to help light those, but I'd love for you who have done that, who have made that decision, who have given your life to Christ, to come and be one of the first ones to join me up front, light some candles so that we can light this room, share the love and share the light of Christ all over this room, which will eventually be taken out into the world of darkness that desperately needs what you and I found in Christ. Choir's going to lead us, and Dave as well, and oh, come all you faithful. I'm going to come back up for just one second of instruction to talk to you about lighting the candles. I ask you two things. If you have a child near you, be careful with your children and lit candles. Second thing, respect our auditorium in that when we blow them out after silent night, just hold it for a moment so the wax stays there and not on the seat so the people coming into the next service can enjoy the experience as well. I'm glad you came tonight. The beginning was worth being here. But you wait till you see the end. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. 
life that you offer us. God, I, I'm overwhelmed that you did all of this throughout hundreds of years of history for us. You offered your life so that we can have life. And not just a, a life for this life, but for one for all eternity. So tonight as we give you praise and glory and honor your name, hear our praise and our gratitude for all that you've given for us.